welcome to Making Sense of Movies. I'm Elena. I'm Claire. And welcome to the podcast. And we're back over, I would say, about a two, almost three-month hiatus. Yeah, and so we're really happy to be back. We're going to be talking about con artist movies in this episode. But before we talk about that, just a quick update. Claire and I both now have full-time jobs. As before, it was only Claire. So we don't have as much time as we would like to do our usual you know, watch five movies, talk about five movies. So we've decided to switch up the format a bit. So every two months, we're going to be doing these usual like genre five movies podcasts. In between those months, we're just going to do a quick update podcast about what Claire and I have been watching, movie news, things like that. We're still figuring it out, but we didn't want to not post anything within those months because we're just like, we like speaking to each other. So yeah, we don't want to leave our fans hanging here too. So they're gonna they're the smaller episodes are gonna be great. Uh probably more casual conversations just mm-hmm. about anything we kind of feel like. Uh yeah. we're big on, of course, Oscars, and that's coming up soon. So you can look yeah. out for Oscar news. Um, just any kind of movie updates that we have. Yeah, and if you have any suggestions about what Claire and I want to talk about, you know, we have Instagram, we have Twitter. We're so you easy to comment. find, guys. Mm-hmm. We have Letterbox, like <laughs> we're there if you really want something mm-hmm. <laughs> okay but let's you know dive right in um so as i said we're doing con artist movies so our first movie is corpus christi this movie was premiered in 2019 it's a polish movie directed by john komasa and if you recognize the main the main actor in this movie bartos Bilinia, is because we talked about the movie that premiered at sundance in 2020 no 2021 um called primetime and he was also the main character so really excited to see him again and i would say this movie on in the scale of con artist movies is the least like a con artist (laughs) yeah uh just for anyone who hasn't watched it it's about daniel who was at a juvenile detention center who was Mm -hmm. uh recently released and he's a devout catholic and he's supposed to go to this one town after he's released to kind of work at the sawmill they have. Mm-hmm. And before he goes to the sawmill, he had stolen the the gear that the priests normally wear from the juvenile detention center. So he now is at this new location, new village, and he's a, <laughs> assumes the role of their priest. And that's how that's the con that he's doing. How long can he keep that going? Yeah. Um, running all the services until he gets caught. Yeah. And I do admit upon watching the trailer and like, you know, looking at the synopsis, this, they do make it seem like this movie is a bit more like he's going to like, you know, steal something from the town. Like that's why we kind of like, I initially picked it. Cause this is what I thought, mm-hmm. but it is, I feel like very different in the sense that he generally does like being a priest, mm-hmm. even though he doesn't necessarily like that lifestyle. Like you see him, you know, he drinks, he does drugs, he, you know, sleeps with people, even though priests are supposed to be celibate. But he is surprisingly quite good at his priesthood. And he, you know, kind of becomes the priest because the pre- the initial priest, I'm going to say priest about a thousand times of this town, I guess it's like an alcoholic and they didn't, they like I guess sent him to rehab or sent him to a hospital or something and they were just kind of like you're here and Mm -hmm. he kind of saw this opportunity but this town has a lot of drama and a lot of things happening at once yeah and that's really the part that I definitely wasn't expecting so 
the main thing that's happening in the town is previously there was um, a car accident. It was one man who was driving alone, who um, his wife is still in town. Mm-hmm. And everyone thinks that the man had been drinking and was responsible for killing six teenagers in the car. So um, there's this big sign in the town that everyone always goes to where it has the pictures of um, the six teenagers within the town who were killed. And at this point, everyone is just completely isolating the wife who's still there. Whose husband died in the, in the car crash. So yeah, yeah. He's one of the other victims, but his his picture isn't on that bulletin board that's right outside the church. Yeah, and then the other person who Daniel's been in contact with the whole time is Lydia, and she um, is the sister to one of the uh, the victims from the yeah. car accident. And then while this is all happening, he kind of assumes the role at what well, at first is a bit uncomfortable, but he is trying to initially fix it. Um, but while this is happening, you also get this guy from prison. What was his name? You had like a, a bonus. Um, this guy from prison bonus who you see in the beginning, like doesn't like Daniel mm-hmm. and you don't really know why. And then you find out later when he comes back to Daniel and sees Daniel like doing this whole priesthood gig and like wants money from him. He's like, Daniel killed his brother through was like, you know, he was into drugs and alcohol, whatever, was stealing something and just got into a fight and just basically beat this kid to death. Uh, and that's why he was initially in prison. So it's a lot of things going on. And I overall, I would say I really liked this movie. I don't know about you, Claire. Yeah, I really liked it too. At first, I thought it was a little hard to get into just because there's this very jarring scene in the beginning where one of the guards at the de- detention center they're at leaves one of the rooms and all the prisoners start like attacking this one guy. And that scene I thought was pretty hard to watch. So for the rest of the, for some part of the movie, I was like, oh gosh, like, hopefully no other scenes like that come up because I thought that was just hard to watch but I feel like that was sort of one isolated scene the rest of the movie wasn't like that but the main actor like I think he does a phenomenal job there's one scene in particular where he's at a rave and he just has his eyes open so wide and is like just not blinking like he's always um uh, he's just a very strong presence on screen which we saw of course in this movie and then prime time as well Yeah, and then what I also really liked about this movie, too, was, like, there were some kind of funnier aspects, like, when he's, like, Googling basically how to do confession. Oh, I love that part, yeah. That was pretty funny, but it's also, like, you see this guy who has been isolated in prison and a really kind of masculine and violent, and then he's trying to better himself for these people and kind of, you know, he obviously had gone through his own form of forgiveness for what he did. He's kind of trying to implement that to this town because there's like also like a really powerful scene where when he first does his like first communion not communion I'm sorry, communion like his first service I guess mm-hmm. and you know and he kind of starts to like break down the barriers of what what the church was it becomes much more f- less formal and really talks from the heart and the church just starts to become like a lot more popular which is really kind kind of nice to see in the sense that like the people are starting to like believe again and become Mm -hmm. alive where before it was just kind of like everyone's going through the motions because of like this tragedy that happened Mm -hmm. yeah but you know shit hits the fan yeah and I feel like I mean I could probably say this for most of the movies we're watching but at no point did you like I didn't want him to get caught so that's always like 
when you're watching con artists movies like i feel like you've either done a really good job if you're like oh my gosh i really hope this person does not get caught or this person needs to get caught asap and he feel um is on the latter side of this where it's like yeah he was doing a good job i didn't want anything bad to happen to him yeah especially because it's in the middle of the movie that you know what he did like why he was in prison and it kind of like makes more sense why he is kind of on the white side of it where he's like like you shouldn't have to blame this woman like it's not her fault for what her husband did Mm -hmm. but also like you see in the movie like no one is a perfect person like there was a thing where all the teenagers were also drinking when they were driving too Mm -hmm. it doesn't make it better that they died but it also doesn't you know they weren't perfect people either and they shouldn't hold them up to such pedestals while pushing down this one woman who like can't even bury her husband because the priest said I like okay we're gonna bury him once the town has kind of you know cooled off a bit the older the old priest Mm -hmm. and then when Daniel takes over he goes to the widow's house and you see the coffin just in one of the rooms and it's really sad and like that that also that decision for him saying that we're gonna bury him is like a big rift Mm -hmm. that both like puts people against him but also causes people to like not like understand their grief and start to like remember their like their loved ones but also move on with their life yeah and I really enjoy the part where he has the townspeople like straight up reevaluate themselves when mm-hmm. he um the widow had been sent all these hate letters mm-hmm. and he goes to collect them from the house and hands them back to people to see like what they had previously written and that was a good part too yeah that was when I don't know if that was after he announced at the like church event that he was gonna do it or maybe it was I think it was after because mm-hmm. he's kind of like who are you to say that we you can't bury this person but mm-hmm. One of my also favorite scenes was when Bonus comes and he he's kind of like talking to like he goes to Daniel's like whatever the house or like trailer that he lives in and they're both talking and like doing drugs and he's just kind of like I want money and Daniel's like I don't have money for you mm-hmm. and he's just like they're both just kind of explaining their lives where like Bonus is like I have this kid and I have this like this girl that I love and I just want to like provide for them and then they both start crying which is not something I thought would happen as these both like very you know they're both in prison they're both like masculine mm-hmm. men um so that's actually really nice to see and I thought that was like a really powerful scene where like they both like y- you think bonus is going to be the end like oh he's gonna beat Daniel up he's gonna mm-hmm. do shit and like yes oh no he doesn't do it someone else like burns down his little shed and you think, oh, it's bonus, whatever, but it's not. Like, you know, they have this heart-to-heart, and you're like, oh, people can have heart-to-hearts, and they don't, you know, it was a very, it wasn't the trope that I thought they were going to do, which I thought Mm -hmm. was really nice. Yeah, no, I agree with that, because they definitely weren't seeing eye-to-eye, but, like, they did still have, like, so much kind of grief in common, Mm -hmm. and so much they were having to deal with themselves. Yeah. I also really like the way this movie was shot as well. It was, like, a a lot of toned-down colors, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of grays, and, like, really light greens, um yeah the green was a really really popular color for this I think the town is surrounded by trees his Mm -hmm. um priest like whatever Saturday service attire it has a green um in the prison 
it's green it's green as well they did a lot of really cool things where like obviously the guy plays daniel he has a really emotive face they did focus on that a lot and they did some really cool shots where you can really like see his emotion or like there was one shot in i think the beginning of the film where he's kind of like in his room and his face and he's like just assumed the priesthood like was kind of like yes i'm going to do this and his face is like shrouded in like half darkness and half light and you're just like focusing on it because mm-hmm. you're like as if to say like we don't know where he's going to go light or dark like what is he going to do mm-hmm. which i thought was a really like cool visual clue Mm-hmm. And the way the movie kind of begins to wrap up is the uh, the priest from his juvenile center mm-hmm. comes to the town and really tells him that you're you can't be doing this. And they're and is that the reason why they're going to send him back to the juvenile center because he's impersonating a priest, or was there a different reason for it? I kind of didn't get honest, that. I think they they sent him back to juvie because he didn't technically go to his like parole. Like, he broke parole. Oh, okay. Like, going to the... I don't know how it works in Poland, but this is, like... But I, but I would assume why they're mm-hmm. sending him back to Juvie. Mm-hmm. And the Juvie place itself is such an odd place. Like, it's... It, I think it's because we're so used to, like, maximalistic American mm-hmm. prisons that this was, like, wait a minute. Yeah. They were, like, eating in a basketball. Like, I think it was used to be a school. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but right before he leaves, he gives... He's like, you know what, like, I'm going to give, like, fuck this guy, I'm going to give him one last sermon, and he, you know, takes off his shirt in church to, like, reveal himself, and we have this really intense close-up to his face, and you see that he has, like, these scars and these tattoos all over his body, and he just, like, leaves, because after all that he's tried to do for them, he's kind of like, like, this is me, this is who I am, like, I tried, and I'm going to go now, mm-hmm. and then... It, the ending is kind of wild like you think like when he walks out oh the movie's gonna end but we see him back in juvie and kind of the same thing happens again in a different you know area where they're all in the hallway and one like one of the guards leaves and they all start to fight each other mm-hmm. and it's kind of him and someone else fighting and then all of a sudden like um you know really shaky cam super brutal like bloods everywhere and then someone opens the door and he just runs out and everyone's running out and like it's really it's I don't know it was just, that was it and it ends with like his bloody face wide-eyed like outside of the the juvenile detention center and I was like what is happening yeah and we I could totally be mis misremembering this but isn't there a fire that also starts oh maybe it was, okay that's why they went out there yeah was fire because I remember mm-hmm. them being like ash there was like black smoke I remember that yeah. I was like I don't know if that was like a design choice or there was actually yeah you're right you're right Mm-hmm. but he was that. definitely in really bad shape by the time the movie ended so it kind of made me think yeah. that if there was any kind of guards in that area I think he would have been caught immediately yeah I don't know I kind of like to think in my own head like he's going back because while like this fight is happening or like right before the we see the community like the wife the widow comes to church and so one of the you know the teenager's parents kind of like invites her in and you kind of realize that he did have this effect even if he didn't necessarily get to see it mm-hmm. and then also like one of the sisters um of one of the, the you know, teenagers that died who kind of stayed in town along with everyone else who doesn't really have anything to do um her mom was like with the church and everything she decides to leave and i guess do her own you know get on with her life 
in mm-hmm. a way that she she couldn't do when she was in town. He also slept with her, which I feel like we should mention because that was also kind of funny to me because he literally, like, you know, like, they're in a really emotional state because this is after, because um, she kind of he kind of takes her under his wing in the sense of, like, she wants to do better and she sees mm-hmm. him doing different things. Like, he goes and smokes and drinks with the teenage kids because he's young. Um, and he's kind of like, oh, asking about what happened and things like that. Like after the whole thing with the letters, she like she's there with him during all that, and mm-hmm. he sleeps with her literally. And you see like a picture of Jesus, mm-hmm. and I was like, right in front of Jesus. <laughs> yeah, no, I I did like those parts though. Just when he was doing things that like a priest obviously yeah. would not be doing, like especially the scene where he's hanging out with all the teenagers because I'm just trying to think from like one of their perspectives them just kind of thinking like wow this is just the coolest priest I've ever met he is he kind of is yeah. a cool priest like I literally wrote that during the festival which is mm-hmm. where he announces he's like burying the driver yeah um in the cemetery like before that it's like this fun little festival he's like and I literally wrote he's a cool priest yeah like, he's taking selfies he's like playing and laughing with kids and mm-hmm. people in the congregation and then what else was his like cool priest moment oh not cool priest moment just a funny moment where like I think it was I don't know I don't know what at what point in the movie this is but he also is just like doing shit at like the little like trailer where he's like listening to EDM music and smoking Mm -hmm. and just fixing his bike and I was like this is not this is not what a priest you know should be doing right or the the screaming exercise scene That's also a good one. Like, just any scene where he was obviously copying off of the priest he knew from the juvenile detention center, and that's one of the exercises they had previously done. So just to get everyone to let out their emotions, they're just, like, all in the town center, just, like, screaming. Yeah. And that was also, you know, like, a lot of memorable scenes in this movie, so I would definitely recommend it to anyone. I agree. And then there is, like, a subplot with the guy who owns the sawmill who's in who, like lives at the town that um he's a priest at he like lives there he's friends with the mayor he owns the sawmill that essentially like I think employs a lot of the town because there's not much around there mm-hmm. they don't really do much with that but he does it's pretty funny because they're like oh you know the priest should come and bless they open this new mill like he should come and bless it and he basically does this whole speech about how like people are greedy and people want to control everything but like you know you shouldn't you have to like it's essentially like I literally are like a fuck you in prayer mm-hmm. oh but- and how he has everyone like kneel onto the dirt like mm-hmm. not even dirt it's just all mud like everyone gets so dirty yeah, yeah it was like this is like it was kind of like you think you have power like I mm-hmm. I have power and I wouldn't say like maybe he, he the sawmill guy was the guy that like tipped them off a bit but there's not I wouldn't say there's much done with that I think it was just more about like you know you get a bit more about the town what's what's going on yeah Mm -hmm. okay so now we're going to move on to our next movie which is The Lady Eve directed by Preston Sturges and starts off with Jean who was on a cruise ship with her father and they're con artists who mostly deal in card games that's what they're really good at uh, probably poker, even though, like, I don't understand card games at all. So I am at, I think it was poker. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are going after this gentleman whose name is Charles. And he is very woman shy. He All the women want to be with him. And 
he's just not having any of it. He just wants to read his books about snakes since he's yeah. a snake expert, which I thought was pretty funny. That's very random. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty random. And while they are trying to trick him and steal his money, Jean and Charles fall in love. The love is short-lived. Love and that's very short-lived. Very short-lived. But this part took up... Uh, them first being on the cruise ship with just Charles and Jean. This takes up, I feel like, a majority of the movie. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. This is because this this part is definitely supposed to establish the relationship. Mm-hmm. So once, so basically, like how they they swindle people is they essentially just bet on cash. And one of the one of the things they did, I think, was like basically war, mm-hmm. where they were like, okay, each time I win, we're gonna put more cash on. So they end up swindling him out of $32,000. And this movie was from 1941, Mm -hmm. which I cannot imagine how much much money (laughs) like now. And, you know, while this is happening, while the father really wants the money, Gina's kind of like, no, like, I love him. We're going to get married. Like, I'm going to get money the real way. Mm -hmm. Marriage. He, you know, he's like, oh, rips up the check. And, you know, it was fake to make sure, you know, you love my daughter or whatever, you know, something like that. But, Charles' bodyguard gets really suspicious, and it's kind of like finds out that they're look that they're they call them card sharks in the movie, um, and that they're like, oh, she's faking being in love with you, and really she isn't. Like it's very much established that she does love him and that she is willing to kind of leave this all behind. But he breaks up with her, and you realize they didn't rip up the check, so she's kind of like, I'm going out for revenge. And then mm-hmm. the second half of that movie is. Her going as a British socialite, I guess, mm-hmm. I would say best described. And she's visiting her cousin, Sir Alfred. And she basically gets Charles to then fall in love with her, even though he, he's like, you look like Gina. And she's like, no, I'm not. I'm Eve. Mm-hmm. I'm that- dead. This can't happen. <laughs> Yeah, and they do have a conversation about that because he's talking, Charles is talking to his guard again and is like, okay, well, if she really wanted to trick me, like, she would have changed her hair. Like, the reason they look so much alike, that's kind of a giveaway that they're actually not the same person. Because if she wanted to trick me, she would have looked different. Like, if you had, uh, didn't have a beard, if you were trying to trick me, you'd put on a beard, something like that. Yeah, she's fully gaslighting him at this point. Mm-hmm. Like before gaslighting was a thing, Eve said, "No, Gina said I'm a girl boss. Yeah, gaslight, gatekeep, girl boss. That is literally <laughs> her motto because that's what she does in this movie. Because um, at this point, like, they really don't make an, any indication that she's really out for for the money. Like at this point, she just yeah. wants to get him. Yeah, she just wants to get him. Like this is not mm-hmm. about the money for her. This is about him kind of not believing her because she Mm -hmm. was willing to tell him like she was like I'm going to tell him about my past you know I start this this new life with him and you know they don't know each other for that long this is the 40s you know love is love you could fall in love with someone in three days and one of my favorite scenes of this whole movie is when he first sees her and he keeps like he like falls over a a sofa and he's hitting his head on things and he has to change his suit and it's so funny because I find that this movie in the the way that it describes like the central relationship romantic relationship is quite modern in a way Mm -hmm. where Gina very much is her own person like she's very much capable of 
getting money on her own. She does not need a man for like to marry a man for money. And she's a lot of other aspects beyond that. Well, I find that Charles is kind of in what I would describe as like the 2000s women's role, which is he's clumsy. He has a quirky, um, you know, little hobby that he does. He has a ton of money and he's very pretty. Like those are things where I was like, oh, I, I find it very funny that, that their roles have kind of been reversed here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, you know how I would describe Charles? When someone who has obviously not read Twilight is like, oh, Bella's so stupid, and, like, they don't really know anything about Bella, like, they're just like, oh, like, she's so clumsy, she's always falling over stuff, I'm like, okay, that's kind of Charles, like, he's just falling over stuff, just kind of being, like, falling in love with everyone he meets. Oh, 100%. So, like, Mm -hmm. and you know it's funny because this, like, speech that he gives to Gina on the boat Mm -hmm. and the speech that he gives to Eve when they're on horses about how he's felt like he's known them their whole life is word for word the exact same speech. Yeah, he's super pathetic. Yeah, I'm like, dude, this man can't even switch up Mm -hmm. his own engagement speech. Mm -hmm. It was like insane. And then they have a quick wedding and his whole the whole thing is that she basically wants him to divorce her. And she kind of starts talking about all the guys she's been with. She's like, oh, I was married to this guy. I was married to this guy. And they're on this train, I think, in Europe or something. And he literally leaves her on the train. He's like, <laughs> I have to get out of here. I can't mm-hmm. even deal with her anymore. And the the part I was wondering, so after that scene where, like, he's just like, all right, I've had enough of this, gets off the train. Because at first, like, they do kind of make up with each other because she's just like, oh, yeah, like, there's one guy. And then after, like, he forgives her, then she's like, oh, but then there was this other guy and this other guy. Um, So all that happens, like you were saying, he gets off the train and then um, he's got his divorce lawyers there trying to get in contact with her, but um, she won't use a lawyer. She just wants to talk to him directly. And she keeps on pushing for, I just want to talk to you in person. And I do wish we could have seen whatever that conversation would have been. Or we, once we get to the very end, he, uh, Charles decides that like, I'm not talking to Eve anymore. I'm not meeting her in New York like she wants me to. Mm-hmm. Um, but then gets on another cruise. And who is there but Jean? He's so happy to see her. Mm-hmm. He's like, you could not believe what has happened. And one of my favorite parts, too, is when she's like, her, he's like, where they're kissing. And he's like, technically, I'm married. And she's like, oh, about that. <laughs> and I wanted to hear that conversation so badly. Yeah. This was a very short movie. Um, I think Corvus Christie, I think, was also about an hour and a half. No, yeah. two hours, maybe, or an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, I think, was an hour and a half. It was pretty short. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's essentially within those two acts. But I would say overall, this is like a pretty great, you know, romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. I found it really funny. I found the humor to be, you know, very. You know, it does it didn't age because the humor is basically based on how dumb he is. Yeah. Which it doesn't change. I would say the only negative is the be like the beginning, beginning of this movie. Like some of the first shots are in this very like stereotypical, what I would describe as like jungle mm-hmm. area. And there's like these anthropologists and archaeologists there, and the anthropologists, archaeologists are clothes and they're like wearing like these weird straw hats and they're kind of treating 
what they would describe as like the native people was mm -hmm. very uncomfortable. I don't really think I needed to be in there to establish what he did. Yeah, it was just very stereotypical and like yeah. I would say the the one thing that aged poorly, but it's literally I think in the first, it's like a couple minutes and then he goes to the boat and then, you know, everything happens. Yeah, kind of just to establish like where he was coming from and why he did have an actual like snake with him within his room <laughs> the other part that i want to bring up that i thought really holds up is the editing during the scene we were talking about where she's just listing off names of other people she slept with they have it her saying different names cut in between the actual train like the part with steam coming out of it and making like really loud noises so you can just tell there's just so much tension from yeah. like the loud noises the train and then going back and forth between Eve like I thought that was hilarious yeah I thought that was um really funny too I do find the editing and the overall uh technical is all they also do a pretty good job of like going to his reaction or like when he sees Jean mm -hmm. or Jean as Eve and he like like you hear this crash and he falls over the couch yeah and then he changes his suit and then he immediately like goes to look at her and like hits his head and then falls down again Mm -hmm. um and the way they cut that I thought was was really funny I would say one of my other favorite things about this was Eve slash Jean's outfits yeah in this movie is amazing like she wears this like crop top like skirt combo this beautiful necklace that she wears in on the, on the boat in the first act of the movie and then when she becomes Eve and she's introduced she's in this like insane lace sparkly open back dress and she has a tiara and this, this overly dramatic feather fan that she yeah. fans herself with that's like like obscenely large yeah like they went out with her outfits and he looks great too but he's just like wearing a suit or pants and a shirt like who cares mm -hmm. the one thing I would have loved to see though is Eve uh yeah Eve dash Jean she's really the only only person out of everyone who gets away with what she's doing Agreed. Um, yeah. I would have liked to see her like at her full potential because Charles is kind of like low hanging fruit. Like he's just pretty dumb, yeah. falling yeah. for everything. So even though Jean is trying, it seems like she doesn't really have to try that hard to get what she wants. Yeah, I find, I think a really good indication of that is in the beginning of the movie when everyone's talking about him because they're like oh his whole his whole thing is that his name is charles pike his parents own pike's ale which is they say it's the ale that won yale which i found <laughs> really funny and he's very rich and mm -hmm. she, every, all these women like there's a good shot where he's walking into the i guess it'd be like the cruise dining room kind of hangout area i guess i'm not really sure how this cruise worked um and all these women are like looking like you go to shots of different women looking at him and she's like you know what I'm gonna ignore him and she trips him like as soon as she trips him like that's it like he notices her mm -hmm. and you can see how easy she just goes into like oh playing cards with him and then bringing him back to her room and weirdly playing with his hair where like he looks super uncomfortable but like also like really obsessed with her and then she's mm -hmm. just like petting him like a cat it was like yeah yeah and it was just like literally like she is a cat and he is like a, a little mouse who doesn't know he's caught <laughs> yeah so overall I would say definitely I would recommend this movie mm -hmm. and, yeah, and if you're if looking for an easy movie I would do this one it's good it's funny 
Mm-hmm. Any other closing thoughts about this movie? That I want all of her outfits besides that. Yeah, no, that's I, very true. I have to look at the costume designer after this. I'm mm-hmm. like so jealous. Yeah, her hair always looked really good too. And our next movie, which I would say I think is the movie I'm most excited to talk to you about, <laughs> is Bunty R. Bobbly, which is an Indian kind of Bollywood musical slash romance from 2005, directed by Shad Ali. And this is a three-hour movie. There's a lot happening. Um, but it essentially follows two people from, I don't even know what town in India they're from, I'll be honest. It, so much happens in this movie that's, I forgot. But they're in this, like, let's say smaller Indian town. And they both leave, kind of run away and meet each other and kind of start this journey of kind of becoming like a, a con artist Bonnie and Clyde situation where they just trick people into like giving them money essentially and free mm-hmm. shit um and then they change their names to Bunty and Bobbly hence the name of the movie and yeah while this is happening they kind of fall in love they trick someone into thinking they're buying the Taj Mahal which is a great thing we'll t- touch upon and then we also have this older cop who's kind of like on their tails trying to find them I'd say that's the whole movie. And within the whole movie, there are full-on music videos. And they're all so good. They're Like we were talking before, but they're all such bops. Like the singing, the dancing, Mm -hmm. the costumes. The costumes in this movie are just like amazing. I would agree. I love it. Colors are great. Like this movie, you know, this is what Bollywood's about. It's about random music numbers. It's about lovely, colorful costumes. It's about people just doing so much but having a great time doing it yeah because it, really the music uh, no, i don't want to say like music videos but like the music scenes in it they are yeah. kind of shot like music videos a there little is, bit. that's what i, I think. say because there's one specifically that is very much like a music video i uh-huh. forgot what it's called i was actually listening to it today um, it's <laughs> one where they say clap your hands in english oh yeah 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 where like that one it's like one of the songs where it didn't really have anything to do with what was happening in the movie. Some of the songs they do, they're more incorporated. But it was just like, like that was literally like a two thousand, like an early 2000s music video in the way what they were wearing, what how they, uh, the like really intense dancing, all the different angles and the way it was shot mm-hmm. was very, very much reminiscent of that. But the other songs, I think, are a bit more incorporated into what's mm-hmm. going on in the plot. Did you like this movie, Claire? I did. I really like this movie. I thought um, Bunty and Bubbly, like, they were just so fun to watch together. Mm-hmm. And I do like how we get to see so much of them being kind of in their smaller town and how that affects them later, where she is, like, her goal is to be a Miss India. So mm-hmm. she's going around to all the different places trying out to be Miss India, and they're not even going to let her in once they hear where she's from. Yeah. Um, so that's just something that's always following the two of them and kind of one of their reasons for just wanting to completely change who they were. And, and then yeah. his reason is because his parents are kind of like, you need to get a job. And the dad was like, oh, you can work at the train station, which is what the dad does. And like, I got you a job interview. You should go. And so he doesn't want a boring job. You know, He's a schemer. He wants something better for his life. So he leaves kind of hoping to, I don't know, he kind of wants to, he goes to like, I think a bank or some sort of like loan agency as kind of like trying to sell him, sell them on this idea that he had, but they don't do it. So 
I think that that was also something I really like too is that they kind of start out both at the bottom mm-hmm. like how they meet each other is that they're both at this the train station and like I think like I think she was crying he's like what's going on yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. um which is which is pretty funny but yeah but eventually as their cons start getting bigger and bigger mm-hmm. um they really embrace the bunty and bubbly personas to the Agreed, point yeah. where uh i wouldn't say they they don't want to get caught but they leave their signature saying like after they've done something they'll leave like b and b in a heart to be like hey like we've been here before this was us we're claiming this con as our own so yeah. i thought that part was I just love that part, how they're just leaning into their personas so much, where there are so many conversations about, like, when are we ourselves or when are we bunty and bubbly? Yeah, they kind of are, like, are we separating the two? Like, Because they do call each other, like, bunty and bubbly. But um, a lot of the cons in this movie are pretty fun. The first mm-hmm. one they do is they pretend to be, like, their idea is, like, okay, they want to go to Mumbai because maybe she'll be able to do be Miss India there and then you know, he'll do his own idea or whatever. So they're like, we need money to go to Mumbai. So they pretend to be investors at a news channel that's doing really well. And then they try to get someone to invest. The only thing that I would say, there's so much unrealistic things in this movie, is that they don't have money to begin with and they somehow mm-hmm. get new clothing. They get new clothing all the time. Like, like I, every con, they have a different set of clothing. Yeah. I was like, I don't understand, but like, you know, we're gonna power through because mm-hmm. it's great. And like get this like random guy to like give them money and she's like seducing him. And then that kind of like starts. And then they then they do the Bunty Bobby song. <laughs> and you see all these other cons. I think one of my favorite ones is that they do they pretend to be a food inspector to get free food. Oh they yeah. Pretend to be mm-hmm. a tourism inspector to get, you know, place to stay. They pretend to, you know, be inspectors and they like to get like cars and to get massages and to get like people giving them stuff, which is pretty great. Mm-hmm. So then uh, towards the middle of the movie, because I feel like for a long time they did have like a will they, won't they. We spend a lot of time Agreed. doing that. Um, and that part, I was sort of like, just they never seem to be on the same page for that, because sometimes I'm like, oh, Bunty's more into bubbly, but then sometimes it's the opposite. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, like they're getting married and they're having a baby. Yeah. I feel like that happens pretty fast. From it's 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 funny for us to say that considering this movie is three hours. I know. Like like, the romance was rushed. (laughs) Yeah. I've seen more of it. I'm not saying like the romance was rushed. I don't think so, but it was more like they're just doing the will they won't they for so long, and then it's like, oh, like we love each other so much, we're together. Oh, yeah, I guess it is. There's like a lot of romance, but not none where they're on the same page for the whole time. Yeah. So like right before they get married is I'm gonna be honest, where I thought they would stop the movie because at this point they, you know, they're kind of going through this this life, but she's really homesick, so she like wants to go back to her mom, and he really doesn't want to go home. And then they do this kind of what I would what I would have thought was going to be like their last con, which is where they say that they're buying all of these washing machines and they give the guy money. But in the washing machines, they fill it all with merchandise and then they sell the merchandise. Mm. So they have all this money. And I was like, okay, like that, that was really cool. Like I wasn't expecting that. Then we have another music video and like she's like about to leave but then he decides like because he just wanted to be famous and he has that 
um and she just wants to go home so that kind of like I guess we should leave like we want different things but then he's kind of like well I actually like you and they like embrace you know and I was like oh like is this the end of the movie and then we like immediately cut to because like it zooms out on their embrace and like cool end of the movie and then we immediately cut to like this random old guy who's like the cop who's gonna see them who we don't get introduced to until I would say about an hour maybe an hour hour and a half into the movie Mm -hmm. because at one point the cop is just at a bar and where Bunty and Bubbly happen to be and they're like really vibing honestly like (laughs) and that scene I actually loved I love when Bunty and the cop were like talking to each other because I think at this point Bubbly is somewhere else or is she like very pregnant during that scene because she's pregnant pregnant in that scene because this was after they did the Taj Mahal so was it they, I I so thought they, yeah okay no because they get married I have my notes out okay I got they you get married it, it, the Taj Mahal's in the background and then they do the whole Taj Mahal scheme like they have that whole song where they're married and have sex and whatever which is also really beautiful they're like dressed in white on like mm-hmm. a fucking desert and they do the whole Taj Mahal scheme and then I think because of that they get really popular again they go they that whole bar scene happens. Um, but before we go to the bar scene, I do want to talk about the Taj Mahal because it's one of the funniest things. And I would say the whole movie is this, like, white couple comes to India and they're like, we could we could fool this guy. And they basically convince him that he will buy the Taj Mahal for whatever certain amount of years. It's like a government contract or whatever. And they can get married there. And the wife is like, let's go. Like, I want I want this. And he's like, oh, I'll do anything for her. And it was generally, like, I'm watching this, and, like, I guess that's the point. It's, like, who the fuck is dumb enough mm-hmm. to think they can just buy the Taj Mahal? And I was like, yeah, it's a white man with money. I do they- like, though, even though, like, yeah, those people were so stupid, Bunty and Bubbly do put in so much effort into effort, that con. Like, making sure he gets a newspaper that says that, like, they're selling the Taj Mahal, like, mm-hmm. slipping that out. So I, I did like that whole scene. Yeah, and this is also when, like, the cop is kind of on their tails about who they are and, and like, what they're doing. And he, like, you know, just misses them, mm-hmm. uh, which I found really funny. And then after this is when we have, is when they actually meet, but he doesn't know that they're Bunty Avali. He just thinks they're, like, people, a married couple they met, he met at, at a bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then was it after that scene where they're trying to escape from the hospital? I, I kind of forget so where late. the hospital scene comes in, but that's another yeah, yeah. one. It's after that. It's after okay, the Okay, yeah, scene. that's it's what I thought. So, so, yeah, so they this are. is when we're kind of focusing on the cop trying to figure out, like, where are they going? And I do like that part because it shows that the cop has been, like, studying them a lot and was saying, and, well, everyone else around them is saying, well, are they going to have a midwife? Are they going to go to, like, the smallest hospital in the area? And he's like, no, like, we have to go to the largest hospital because that's where they're going to be because they're going to have more of a chance of getting out when there's just so many people mm-hmm. around because that's when they're at their best work. Yeah. And it's then when after that, they like, you know, escape the hospital and then they try to go and she had just given birth, which is why that whole scene where they're escaping and she's like, you know, walking normally. I'm like, who? Yeah. Where? No Not one. possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they try to basically like escape through like a plane like they're gonna leave but there's like this whole scene where they're kind of waiting 
like she's she's like uh Bobby's waiting for Bunty to kind of like call her and tell him tell her that like she can leave or she can leave the airport and that was really stressful because you kind of want them to make it mm -hmm. and then they get caught trying to escape on a train but no then the cop lets them out he does yeah the cop lets them because of the baby mm -hmm. and they kind of go back home which is obviously not what uh, Bunty wanted to do and they, and you know her parents help raise the baby whatever and then he kind of comes back and is like you know people are being con artists or whatever like you two could help you know very much like I watched like White Collar it's very much that mm -hmm. no I haven't seen White Collar but I do think that ending was really good how now mm -hmm. they're going to be the one they're they're going to be the kind of the cops now or the ones who are inside trying to figure out like oh if we were doing this a scam this is like the steps we would take to catch people which i Agreed. they do have a second movie i was reading reviews on it i hear it's I definitely it was, not as good yeah. i was gonna mm -hmm. say too i was i was like i heard the second movie is just not it mm -hmm. it's not where it needs to be they don't like it but okay so we should talk about before we're done with this movie is what is your favorite song yeah, no, I, my favorite song was the, the opening song, where they're on the train. Agreed. So That's my favorite, yeah. If there's any reason to see this movie is that opening number. Mm -hmm. It's so cool. Like, the main guy, Rakesh, is, like, literally on top of a train, mm -hmm. like, dancing. And it's just, it's so much. There's a ton of people. That also has one of my favorite outfits in the whole movie, is she wears this kind of blue crop top and skirt, and it's it has all these mirror circles on it. And it's super mm -hmm. pretty. But yeah, that was insane. It was a really great intro number because it introduces to us to each character, kind of who they are, and then also just really displays their like insane dancing skills. Yeah, definitely that's the one I remember more than the others. But all the songs I thought were pretty good. I think there was just one song where it's kind of like after their marriage. Where that I'm kind of like I think mm -hmm. I think song-wise, not the best. It was beautiful. Mm -hmm. They're, like, dressed in white and, like, I think they're in, like, a desert or mountain or something. They're mm -hmm. definitely on top of a mountain at some point. I will say, like, for the songs, there was a big theme of them being in desolate areas, but looking super, not desolate, but in empty areas, but, like, mm -hmm. really pretty nature-wise. Yeah. Like, in the first song, there's, like, a random time where, like, he's, in, he's just, like, dancing on sand. And she's, like, dancing in the rain, but they're by themselves separately mm -hmm. i was like where's this coming from I, like i would love to know the concept for each song because each song was essentially like its own thing mm -hmm. it was within the movie but they had such wildly different concepts like there was always dancing there's always pretty colorful outfits that kind of remained the same but like the vision for each one was so different like one of them was very kind of pop in the way the outfits were one of them seemed to be very like traditional and like romancy Mm -hmm. so what really changed i would say my favorite song is i did really like the english they did do an english version of bunty Abobli. Mm -hmm. i think they sing in both languages but that one i really liked like them on top of a car yeah mm -hmm. them on top of moving vehicles i don't know what that was about makes it a lot more intense i just really like that i would agree i feel like the stunts in this movie way surpassed american hollywood movies yeah mm -hmm. i wonder how long it took them to shoot this whole movie i agree. I feel like it must have been like years the first song there's a lot of them 
specifically doing certain dance moves as a train is going by in the background. Yeah. And this is in 2005, so it wasn't a ton of... Green screen was not as, you know, I feel like, you know, advanced as it was. So I feel like a lot of what they did was practical. At least, like, mm -hmm. to me, it looked practical. Yeah. So it seemed insane. I'm mean, honest. Like, watch this movie for the visuals alone. Watch it on the biggest screen you can, because that's how it's going to be the most fun. I would agree. This mm -hmm. is a movie to watch, like, in a theater. Yeah, in a theater, or this would also be a good sleepover movie. Agreed. Like, like watch I... this Watch this with other people, watch this with friends. Mm -hmm. I agree. Like, as soon as I saw this movie, I had seen Claire, and I was like, Claire, did you watch? <laughs> did you watch this yet? Because <laughs> this movie's great, I need someone else to see it. Yeah, it's just, like, a lot of good energy, just across the board. Mm -hmm. I would I agree on the sleepover thing. It's a mm -hmm. great sleepover movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and that is that is Bunty uh, Bobbly. So our next movie is Catch Me If You Can, premiered two thousand two, directed by Steven Spielberg, which I did not know was this was directed by him. And this follows what is supposedly a true story, but a lot of parts of it has been refuted by journalists. So take everything with a grain of salt. Um, about Frank Abigail Jr. who as a teenager, ran away from home and became impersonating an airline, Pan Am airline pilot, and was also like forging texts and apparently became a lawyer and a doctor at some point, eventually before he is caught by the FBI. And this one, much, I think much more than the other movies we saw, especially with um, Bantia Babli, this is a much more cat and mouse exercise where you see a lot more about Carl who's our FBI agent played by Tom Hanks and it's a lot not just about Frank our con artist but also about Carl who is trying to find him and what he does and kind of how he you know keeps getting just close and then you know Frank is able to you know get away. Was this your first time watching this movie? Uh, I had seen this before like growing up. Um, I definitely remember liking it. I think watching it when I was older and it's not like you know this movie was on TV a lot like on cable growing up mm -hmm. so I kind of watched it there um I definitely still liked it it's not I think as good as I remember like it's definitely not my favorite Spielberg movie um I still think generally the story is really tight really good um and I love the opening credits and the the music in this I think was really great and really sets the tone mm-hmm I just thought overall, I felt, I don't know, for me, something about Leonardo DiCaprio's performance was not it. Really? Oh, that's so interesting. Because, yeah. Sorry, it wasn't, it was something about him being older Frank that wasn't it for me. I think him being Frank as, as like, at his prime or at, like, when he's in, like, his teenage years, I think I really like. There's something about when he's older and when he's with Carl or something. I was just like, I don't know. I just didn't. It didn't, you know, grab me, I think, the way it once did. Now, when you're referring to him as being older, like, do you mean the part where, like, after he is caught and he's got, like, the beard and he's mm -hmm. all rugged? Okay, I got yeah, you. So any of those times where after he's caught and he's with Carl, so, like, when Carl's, like, expediting him out of France and um, all those scenes. I don't know. I just, like, there was something where I was, like, hmm, I just don't. I just don't see it. Um, but I think overall, like, the best part about this movie is the story. Mm hmm You know? I and it is a great story. Like, I would actually say, 
of all of Spielberg's movies, this is, I think, one of his more underrated ones. Like, I would put this pretty high on my list of Spielberg movies just because I love how much they show, just, like, the intricacy, intricacy of how much detail Frank puts into everything from um, pretending to be, a, so like, a student interviewing one of the Pan Am airline pilots yeah. to they have this one great scene where he's trying to make his own um, card to show that he's a pilot and he has all these toy planes that are Pan Am themed in the bathtub soaking so he can like take off all the stickers to use that um, just for all the stuff he needs. I think he was putting those on his checks. Pan Am checks. Yeah, because yeah, that's Pan Am checks. Yeah, because that's the thing that he was the best at forging checks um, and he would just go all across the country so people couldn't track him and had um, a specific system he used. Um, he was really smart and you kind yeah. of know that. At, by the end of the movie, that like this wasn't just a kid getting dumb luck. It was very well thought out what he was mm -hmm. doing, um, especially because like there's a whole theme in the movie where Carl it kind of goes back and forth in between Frank Carl catching Frank and then after he's been caught mm -hmm. and Carl after he's been ca caught Carl keeps asking how did he pass the bar in Louisiana because there's this whole subplot where. After after he decides not to be a pilot because he realizes people are kind of catching up to him, he's a doctor for a year. After that, he's like, I'm gonna be a I'm a lawyer now. Mm -hmm. And unlike everything else he's done, he actually has to take an exam. You can't just forge a a law degree. You need to be able to, you know, do what you need to do. So Carl keeps asking him, "How did you pass it?" And at the end of the movie, he's like, "I studied, and mm -hmm. I passed it." And that's when you realize. At least, like, Carl finally realizes, like, oh, like, this was not, you know, yes, he's a kid, but he's incredibly intelligent and, like, knew what he needed to do. He's not just doing this because he's charming. Mm -hmm. He's doing it honestly because he can. Yeah, and then just on the other side of things, when he's the doctor and he obviously doesn't have any kind of medical license, there's this one great scene where he is being called and he's on the, the night shift and this boy comes in and he, his like the bone is coming out of his leg and um frank just seems very nauseous looking like he can't even look at the thing but the way he had learned all of his vocabulary is just watching doctor movies on tv so <laughs> the one thing that he always says is do you concur and everyone looks at like the um other doctor he's working with is like well, concur like what do you mean and he's just like do you concur and it's like what does all of this even mean and that was just i think my favorite scene in the movie just the whole do you concur because just the word concur now i can't hear it without thinking about this movie <laughs> oh that's pretty funny mm -hmm. um i would say also one of the things i feel like i very much noticed about this movie was that it was like he i feel like you know, had the idea to do this from his own father, who kind of used, um, you know, how he looked and how he presented himself to his own advantage. Mm -hmm. um, like, like, obviously, there's a lot of privilege that Frank, as, like, a white man, can get away with in this time. Mm -hmm. Not only the fact that he goes to jail for only 12 years for swindling millions and millions of dollars, um, out of not only the U.S., but out of other countries as well. Um, but the fact that he's let out of um, prison <laughs> to then work for the FBI is 
very much Bantiavabli, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously there's a lot about like what he looks like and that he's able to get away with this, but also that he's doing it kind of all for his father. Yeah, I like sort of for his father, but I feel like more to just show his family that like, look, I look how good I'm doing really mm-hmm. to make them proud at the end. But he never writes letters to his mother. So the whole time he's doing this, he's writing letters to his father about what he's, like, he's lying, obviously, but, like, what he's up to. Yeah, and he's probably, yeah. But I feel like he'd probably still be upset about um, his mother cheating on his father, just because he, Frank did have such family values. Um, And that's an interesting thing, because in real life, Steven Spielberg, his mother had um, cheated on the father with the father's best friend. And, like, in all of Steven Spielberg's movies, there's always a dynamic between, like, either mostly the him being upset with the father figure in his life in most of his movies. Like, you see that in Indiana Jones and E.T., there's, like, a missing father figure. And in this one, it's sort of um, kind of coming to terms with that it was his mother in real life who had kind of done that harm even though he obviously still loves her yeah Um, but I do like that focus on more of the father figure in a more positive light after Steven himself realizes that like oh it actually like wasn't my father who had called had caused the dysfunction within his own family I I do agree because once they get divorced Mm -hmm. um there's this big I think also it's like because he's a teenager he's trying to push back his family because every time he sees the father, he's always like, oh, have you talked to mom? Like, has she seen you, you know, mm-hmm. looking like this? You know, he gives, him a, he gives him a car at some point and he's like, oh, you should go drive up to mom mm-hmm. and see, you know, she'll take you back like this. And it's part of the movie is also like him accepting that like this is what his family is like, that he keeps running away and pretending to be someone else mm-hmm. because he can't deal with his own reality of that. His parents that he thought were, you know, the greatest have broken up or his father who he thought is the greatest you know is actually a fraud because he's yeah. wanted you know he's done shady things with the irs so mm-hmm. that's the whole thing like this whole movie is kind of about in some ways like learning to accept your parents as like flawed humans and not as like perfect people um but if you know not everyone has to steal billions of dollars and be caught by the fbi to do it yeah no that's <laughs> that's true um but yeah then just going off of that all the other relationships in frank's life which he doesn't have many of them so carl is one of the main relationships they always call each other on christmas just because they both don't have anyone to be with Mm -hmm. um and then the other big relationship that frank has is with brenda who's played by amy adams i always forget that she's one of the nurses who works under him as um when he's the doctor dr frank mm-hmm. um oh and he's going by the last name connors at this point yeah. um but they do seem to like really love each other which is um ends up kind of being his downfall because he puts his real information within the newspaper that they're getting married and that's how um carl is able to kind of find him at their house right before the wedding uh, which just all unravels because they um frank leaves and tells brenda like there here's all this money 
my name is not my own, but I still love you. You have to meet me at the airport with all of your stuff because we have to get out of here to be together. And he starts to get very paranoid and is at the airport and sees that Brenda uh, ratted on him. Not because she didn't love him, but because it is just like a very hard situation for her to be in. Yeah, it is. Um, and he has to then make up this elaborate scheme so he can fly somewhere else. Yeah, the scheme, I'll be honest, that was, that feels like it was made up. So the whole oh, yeah. of mm -hmm. how he gets out of it. So they're at the Miami International Airport, which I'm going to be honest, I was like slightly confused because so they're initially in Louisiana, they're in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And then I guess Miami is the biggest international airport close by. Um, and he's like, okay, I'm going to get eight young college students to be Pan Am. And he's going to pretend that he was, he pretends that he's recruiting for a Pan Am, like flight attendant, like two month training, whatever, like, you know, this whole tour of Europe. And so he just goes into the airport with these women and all the, and then he also like fakes someone in the parking lot. So there's part, that's part of it too. But like, he's just walking in the airport, like behind them. And I was like, no one's going to, there's like, they said, it said apparently there's a hundred cops, FBI agents and Miami cops there. And I was like, no one, no one's going to like question these people. I mean, I did like that part though, because. Yeah, because it was funny because, like, he had specifically chosen people who were all very attractive. So <laughs> all the cops would just be looking at them and he could just have his pilot hat, hat and just go under the radar. That's true. Yeah, like, definitely not realistic, but it makes for good cinema. I agree. Like, mm -hmm. this this whole movie is, like, good. Like, everything is doing is being done because it's good for the story, not necessarily yeah. because it's true. Mm -hmm. um, but I also liked how um just like i don't know they showed like how young he is mm -hmm. like the fact that he uses comic book names the fact that he does this thing where he tears at like a nervous habit where he tears the labels which is like mm -hmm. for me the equivalent of like leaving breadcrumbs of where he is mm -hmm. every time there's always a fun shot where carl just like looks at it and he's like where is he <laughs> like he was near let's go yeah um the one thing that does make me weirdly uncomfortable is the fact that he does, like, lie about his age. Mm -hmm. So he's, I think, within the span of this movie, is I think from age 16 to age 20, I think. I don't remember. He was definitely young. I just don't remember the exact young, age. He says, Brenda, that he was 28. He was 100% not 28 when yeah. they were married. So it's, like, a little bit uncomfortable knowing how young he is and he's, like, sleeping with these working probably older women who don't mm -hmm. know that i say that just made me like slightly uncomfortable because you're like tricking these women um mm -hmm. but almost every woman he sleeps with or flirt with in this movie is a famous actress now which yeah. i found kind of funny yeah because uh he also bumps into um a prostitute or or escort really escort, she was, i guess yeah um played by julia roberts someone else where i'm always like oh yeah julia, julia roberts Jeff isn't that partner Oh, sorry, Jennifer Garner. Why does yeah? I guess the Jennifer J mixed you up. Yeah, probably. But still, I'm always like, oh, I forgot she was in this movie. Same. There's a lot of people like um Meredith, the uh, actress. I think Ellen. I don't know her last name plays Meredith Gray. Mm -hmm. Adabi's in this. 
um, Elizabeth Banks is in this. Obviously, Amy Adams is the main kind of love interest. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and then, you know, at the end, you know, Frank works with FBI. He, there is kind of like this weird scene where, not weird, but I found really interesting where, I don't know, I guess it's the holiday and he's kind of like, or it's like the weekend. And he's like, oh, what am I supposed to do? Because Carl is like leaving. He's like, I don't know, like, this is your job. Like, doesn't mean it's your life. Mm-hmm. And he decides, like, you know what, I'm going to go back. Um, and it just very much reminded me of just, like, a kid who was, like, rejected. Yeah. Because basically he was like, Carl, like, what am I supposed to do? Carl's like, I don't know. Like, I have something to do. And kind of was like, go do your own thing. And he's like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act bad again. Mm-hmm. He comes back. Yeah, there definitely seems a part of Frank who's just very emotionally stunted because of his childhood and it could definitely tell in that scene mm-hmm. yeah any any closing thoughts on catch me if you can no i would say it's definitely worth a watch if you haven't um, oh yeah for sure and i feel like this is one that also gets uh better and more fun on rewatch too agree mm-hmm. so you know you like especially because when you watch it you know that he ends up in jail so you're just kind of like oh how are they gonna catch him Mm-hmm. It's fun to be along for the ride. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, our next and final movie is uh, titled Can't You Ever Forgive Me? Uh, Premiere 2018, directed by Mariel Heller. And this is based off the true story of Lee Israel, who basically forged letters of famous authors like Fanny Bryce. Um, and it made a shit ton of money off of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then got caught by the FBI. Very similar to our uh, Catch Me If You Can, which is very similar to all the movies. You're, you know, you do something, you do well, you make money, you mm-hmm. get caught. Um, I'd say the, the main difference I felt compared to a lot of the other movies, this one felt a lot more grounded. Mm-hmm. And not only how it was shot, but the characters themselves. I think like the best comparison I feel like would be of the movies we talked about is Corpus Christi in like there's not a lot of big personalities in the sense of like you know these people I feel like I can meet them in real life compared to I feel like a lot of other movies we've watched when talking about con artists yeah and definitely the cons that she's doing are uh she does do some really risky stuff but Mm -hmm. a lot smaller scale than at least catch me if you can yeah Mm -hmm. agreed agreed but very much a lot of I would say bigger not bigger content she does she does get less jail time um mm-hmm. than he does but very much um very consequential just the same yeah what i really liked about this movie from the get-go is just the new york that we're in it's just um mm-hmm. i love the production design it just feels like the romanticized version of new york that like all the writers are in even though she is at like such a low place in her career, which is why she ultimately ends up um, forging all of the letters. But um, when she's like invited, when she goes to the party, I love that scene in the beginning. Yeah, that's a great um, introduction to her yeah. character. And the only reason she's there is because her agent has not been returning any of her calls about her book project she's been working on. Um, and you just get to see the kind of person Lee is from the very beginning. Like she's drinking at work. She's um, yelling at someone yelling at, at the party. There's 
she doesn't come in with a coat, but she tells the person at the um, the coat stand who's collecting everything, like, oh, that's my coat over there, and walks steals over. Toilet paper? Yeah, steals the toilet paper. Yeah. So she's like a, you always feel bad for her, but she's always very fun to watch. She's fun to watch, but she's also, like, so unapologetic. Yeah. Like, she is mean. She does not do bullshit. Mm-hmm. She is not a successful author. Mm-hmm. So she wants to write you know doesn't really have a great job like just got fired from a job actually mm-hmm. um, for drinking on the job and you know you're kind of like how how does she get into what ends up becoming a very profitable um you know forging letter business and it essentially starts off as like it starts off as like, oh, she just finds a letter. She she said, oh, I'm going to do a bio- autobiography on Fanny Bryce. Who, I'm honest, I didn't know who that is. The only context I have for Fanny Bryce is the Funny Girl musical. <laughs> oh, my God. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and funny, because when I watched this movie, all that Fanny Bryce, like Leah Michelle, B.B. Feldstein, like all that stuff was mm-hmm. happening. And I was like, oh, it's invading my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she finds an actual letter and she you know sells it essentially and um it's not a lot of money but she kind of is like kind of talks to the guy and he's like oh well if this was a letter with more personal detail like I can I know someone that would buy it like it'd be a lot of money and that kind of puts the seed in her head to be like oh like I could kind of write like her I I guess we should also talk about the one friend she makes too yes because um, he ends up being a big part of the movie later where um it's another writer who she meets at the bar and they kind of seem like um kindled souls a little bit they're both kind of on the same path in life his name is jack um and he also then gets involved in her scheme as well mm-hmm. with um helping her sell these letters that she's writing because she starts writing a lot of letters at once and realizes that the she, fbi is onto her the fbi is onto her and she's on some list where no one is going to buy her letters anymore. So that's really where he comes into play and he starts selling all the letters for her. And they do keep on um, kind of getting more, there's just more complications as they're selling more letters because they do need to start being like authenticated now. Mm-hmm. And the one of the biggest scenes is there's a certain library that has this authenticated letter that she needs um, so she's going to write a letter and then switch out the letters so yeah. she can actually sell like a real authenticated letter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a really stressful scene. But what also is I love their dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like the first time they hang out, they're like just getting drunk and then they go like eat bread. Go get that guest. And I was like, oh, that's great. Um, she also has a really great line where he's like, oh, you were at that party I was at. And they start talking about someone mm-hmm. that they mutually know. And she's like, oh, didn't she die? And Lee's like, no. And then he goes, maybe she didn't die. Maybe she moved to the suburbs. I always confuse those two. <laughs> and it very much sums up like how he sees his life, where he's like, the city is part of my personality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which was really funny. It's just good to see Vin Lee just talking to some like anyone else because they really portray her as like she's a cat lady. Like she, she does. like freaking loves her cat, but then Jack comes back into her life and they just have such a good friendship for the time being where you like enjoy seeing her actually be happy with someone else. 
Yeah, and I think also there is this kind of, like, at least when I was watching it, this idea that she is, you know, kind of saying fuck you to this, like, very elite literary world that doesn't accept her. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was kind of fun to watch because it's, like, a world that I don't necessarily understand. Yeah. Um, and the fact that this one person was able to, two people, were able to kind of disrupt it and mm-hmm. be like, oh, like, look at how fucking elite and dumb you are. Like, mm-hmm. There's at one point where she gives someone a letter and she asks for cash, cash, and no one questions it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to give you four hundred dollars in cash for this letter that I'm not has not been authenticated, mm-hmm. which is insane to me. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think what else about this movie. Mm. Um, oh, she does. Lee does get a love interest. Um, in one of the bookshop, um, owners. I forgot her name. Um. Which is where we get the title of our movies that they're on a date. Is it Anna? Is her name? Yeah, Anna. It's Anna. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she's been, she's one of the booksellers that Lise, I think it's the first one she sells it to, is Anna. And, you know, they start to become flirty and they go to dinner. And it has been established at this point that Lee had been in a previous relationship with another woman and it did not end well. And, She's kind of not really over this woman, but, you know, she dies to see Anna and they're talking about one of the letters. And at the end of the letter, like she's reading it out loud and she goes, can't you ever forgive me, Dorothy? Mm-hmm. And hence the, you know, title of our movie, which I love. They mm-hmm. say the title of a movie in a movie. Yes. Great. I love context. <laughs> it is always good to get to that part of the movie where you're like, ah, oh, this is where it comes from. Yeah, it is. That date, that date was slightly like hard to watch because mm-hmm. it's very much like you can tell Anna's very much into Lee despite all of Lee's personality yeah um she's like oh I like she seems really interesting and she actually read Lee's book and it's like mm-hmm. oh I really liked it and I think there's that one point where she basically friend zones Anna where she's like I always need a drinking buddy and I was like why you're like Lee what are you doing girl this girl is into you Mm-hmm. you just called her buddy yeah and she also said she would like read anna's book and she like never does mm-hmm. like basically does not go back to her but then by that point when she decides to is when basically the fbi i think has like emailed or faxed because it's like the 80s um in this time everyone basically like do not sell to this person so it kind of fucks her over a little bit in the love department mm-hmm and then really how Lee gets caught is Jack is arrested when by the FBI when he's trying to sell one of the letters and yeah. they give him a deal where if he cooperates with them, um, he's going to get a lesser sentence. So that's how um, they eventually get Lee through Jack. Um, and that's a good scene talking with the judge because you're th- like, obviously, um, Lee's lawyers give her, like, very specific things to say, which, like, she doesn't say yeah, any of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's not what she's about. Um... And then the judge gives her uh, five years of probation and then six months house, house arrest, which is kind of like a, just a slap on the wrist. Like, that's a pretty easy yeah. thing, especially for a writer where, like, she can just continue writing in that And time. she writes about this experience. Yeah. So it's like she kind of has ample material in that ample time. Yeah. Um, and before Jack, I think, gets caught is unfortunately 
he so when she goes to switch out the letters she has to go to specific libraries she can't be home so she's like jack watch over my cat and at this point it has been established the cat had been sick that's why she kind of really wanted the money so she can help her cat and does the cat die when he's watching yeah the cat, the cat dies, dies which is i kind of forget what sad. yeah no it's very upsetting when the cat dies i think like either just negligence of maybe he forgot to feed the cat, but I kind of think it was something drug-related, where, like, probably the cat got into the drugs he had because yeah. he was inviting um, other gentlemen over to be... And Jack's pretending to be like, oh, like, this is my really nice apartment. Um I'm Jack. I know. And um, you're like, oh, you just feel so bad because you're, like, like you're Lee's only enough. friend. Like, just be good to Lee, you know? I know. Like, they're, they're each other's only friend. It's established that, like, he doesn't really have a place to live mm-hmm. um you know in the movie and like this friendship obviously means a lot to both of them but literally once that happened she's like friendship done yeah this is a, this is a job for you mm-hmm. um and then it, uh, once she's paroled they do meet up again but unfortunately he is dying of AIDS and it's quite sad but they mm-hmm. kind of like f- she kind of forgives him and you know, and she kind of starts her own life. Like she has plants in her apartment at the end. And she has mm-hmm. a new kitten. And if and if you saw her apartment in the beginning with the cockroaches and the cat shit, you would say she's actually taking care of it. That's really mm-hmm. a change. Yeah, and it really I think you know visually shows a change. I think overall, like this was a really good movie. Yeah, I really like this movie. I thought like Melissa McCarthy, who plays Lee as well, does a really great performance. Very unlike what she normally does um you know she doesn't really do a lot of dramatic roles she's very much known for her comedy um I think she did a really good job um I think the direct direction Marielle Heller does a really great job of telling the story and wasn't she nominated too for this movie Melissa McCarthy yeah um I believe she was nominated for best actress I agree. at the Oscars that it's... year mm-hmm. which I think is very well deserved yeah she did a a really um it was just a really well done movie and it was interesting but still fun to watch and even though you don't like you kind of know I guess that she got caught because then it's like she writes about it like this is based off a book Mm -hmm. um so it's kind of like what else is going to happen but it was still like you kind of are unsure how it's going to happen Mm -hmm. and you're also very invested just in her personal life too so that's a big part of it Mm-hmm. And it does say at the end um, that she wrote over four, she wrote 400 letters. Um, essentially, I think most of it was letters either to or from Fanny, Fanny Bryce, and then I think other authors as well. And two of them were included in the biography of one of the authors that she impersonated. Which is just hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, are you kidding me? Like someone who was their whole their whole job is writing a book on this one author and uses two forged letters. Like that's that's hilarious. I me. mean, it really just speaks to what a great forger Lee mm-hmm. is. She does talk about in the movie at some point where she says it's my writing. Mm-hmm. She talks about the letters when obviously it's not. She's personating people, but she does think of it as. Like, this is her work. Mm-hmm. This is her voice that she's writing about, even if it's through someone else. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, overall, I think highly recommend, if anything, for the story itself. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Definitely, of all the movies, I think, you know, I would really recommend all the movies we watched today. Like, these That's were all, a good bunch. yeah, really good. Okay, well, thank you all for listening. Um, let us know if you watch any of these, and we will, you'll hear us again for our new kind of format next month. Yeah, let us know in the comments the, um, the biggest con you've ever pulled off. <laughs> Ooh, nice. <laughs> Bye. Bye.